Listeners and welcome aboard Costume Station Zero. This is Bob Mitch, and I'm here today with two friends of mine, Mr. John Walker and Chris Pocock, who are the uh, organizers and uh, webmasters of ClassicDoctorWhoProps.com. And today we're going to talk about some original Doctor Who costumes. So, welcome, guys. Hi. Hello. So, I like to start at the beginning. Let's uh, let's just say, uh, how long have you guys been Doctor Who fans, and how did you start this massive collection? Well, I've been a Doctor Who fan for. 30 years. My first official convention was when I was six, which was the big Longley 83. So I've been going for a long time. But you don't remember that because you spent the entire time asleep. I do. I was asleep. The only thing I remember of the actual convention itself was going into the TARDIS and being quite upset that it was just an empty black box. I <laughs> spent the rest of the time convincing myself it only works for the Doctor. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you keep convincing yourself of that. I love how when you're, when you're young you do that. Yeah, I think you kind of, uh, you have these big illusions and <laughs> it was just completely spoiled at the age of six. I, and, and even today, the TARDIS only works for the Doctor. I do like that thought. And, uh, and clearly this didn't stop you from watching the show and, and remaining a fan. Nope. No, absolutely love it, and always, I think, will always admire the classic era completely. So, of course, uh, who would your favourite Doctor be? Oh, definitely, definitely uh, Colin Baker. He's who I grew up with the most. I, I don't really, because at the, you know, being six, I don't remember Peter that well, but Colin was sort of when I was more into it, and at the time, I really enjoyed all his stories. It's only what about you? Back uh... Later, that you realise, hmm... Maybe not. <laughs> well, you know, hindsight, twenty twenty, and all that. Uh, uh, what about uh, what about you, Chris? Well, um, unfortunately, um, I started to uh, get into the classic series, and then that's when they cancelled it. I literally watched like the mm. last season. It was like, oh, this is really good. I really like this, and then it never came back again. I was like, what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, no, I literally, I absolutely loved it. I couldn't couldn't believe it wasn't coming back. So. I started reading all the, the books, and then I met up with um, someone at a, sort of one of these sort of toy collector fairs, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I've been recording um, Doctor Who off, off the TV for, for years, uh, pretty much all the sort of all the eighties stuff, um, and I'll do you copies of all of them." So I was quite lucky. Before most of the BBC videos were out, I had okay, quite appalling uh, quality copies, but. Um, course you know the, the whole of you know the, of the 80s and then, then a couple of random ones from the 70s so it was really cool I had this amazing huge backlog 
of a programme that I'd never heard of, didn't know anything about, watched one season, and then suddenly had like 20 odd years worth of stuff to watch. That was a nice thing being in the wilderness years. I was in the same boat. I'd watched it on PBS growing up as a kid, but hadn't seen all of them and kind of caught them when I did. And then when I really dove in as a proper fan and wanted to see them in order and such, uh, it had just gone off the air. Mm -hmm. And same thing, I just connected with certain friends and friends of friends and amassed a bunch of bootleg tapes from PBS airings and such. And that's how I got to dive back in, which I think is actually a really good way to kind of go through the whole history of the show that way. It's kind of fun. So, um, is that why... Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, so then, who's your doctor? Um, well, um, I, I used to say Sylvester. It's simply because that, as far as I was concerned, that was what, who was the doctor. You know, I just watched him that last season. I thought, well, that's, that's who Doctor Who is. And so, you know, when um, the books were coming out, like the new adventures and stuff, again, I was just, you know, reading them, thinking, well, he's the doctor. Then getting these videos and kind of watching them, and, uh, you know, and going through them and stuff. Although, yes, great, Colin hasn't got the best stories in the world. I just really liked him. I liked watching his stuff, and so I'd probably say name Colin. It's kind of strange uh, that you guys don't pick Tom Baker. I thought his shadow loomed over the series for so long. I think it would have been. I think if I'd been born sort of four years earlier. Then, like my brother was, to, for for my brother, Doctor Who is Tom Baker and nothing else. I think it is almost like who you grew up with, you know, whichever actor it is, you know, that is your Doctor. Yeah, because I, mean, I look at John Pertwee and all I see is Wurzel Gummidge. Oh, because of course. as I was growing up, Wurzel Gummidge was airing, so it was quite strange suddenly to see this actor playing Doctor Who. But to me, John Pertwee is always going to be Wurzel Gummidge. All about what you're first exposed to. Yeah, completely. So before we talk about your uh, awesome collection, did you guys ever dress up as the Doctor um, growing up for, I don't know, um, any fancy dress balls or parties and such? Yeah, my, um, I, I must have been about six at the time. My mum made me a Peter Davison costume. So I used to dress up as the Fifth Doctor all the time and play with the, the, the TARDIS tent. And I was always out and about, sort of dressed up, running around. And I say I kind of miss that in a way, you know, the dressing up side. I haven't done it for a while now. So was that the last time you dressed up as a particular doctor? Uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> doing fan films, I've dressed up as the sixth doctor a few times and we've gone out with our TARDIS and done photo shoots and we've redressed up. And I, it's actually quite fun. The convention side over here is only really recently sort of picking up where people will dress up as doctors. And I kind of, want to come over and do Gallifrey so I can dress up for a whole weekend and really sort of enjoy it. Well, this is it. If, you, if you've got um, a convention with only a couple of people dressed up, you do feel like, oh, God, it's silly. But if everyone's doing it and everyone's having fun and, you know, and, 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 you know the atmosphere must be really good, then, you know, obviously uh, any kind of uh, feeling of seamless obviously goes away because everyone's uh, enjoying it and having fun. Completely agreed. And yeah, you guys should make it out to Gallifrey. It's a blast. And lately, yeah, you're going to meet hundreds of people in costumes. So you'd have a great time, whether you're just checking it out or joining in. Um, but I understand that completely because the first Gallifrey I went to, I had brought my, you know, my early version of Tom Baker's costume. And I didn't wear it because almost nobody was in costume and I didn't want to stand out, which is silly. I look back kind of shaking my head about it. 
but I completely understand the mentality. I'm pleased it's getting that way now that people are dressing up and people are, you know, really want to, you know, enjoy themselves with conventions because conventions in the sort of 90s were incredibly boring. Yeah, it, it used to be, you know, the, the few that we did, it was lots and lots of people queuing, looking a little bit miserable and not much else, to be perfectly honest. Um, whereas I think now there is a much more, much more feeling of fun about it. It's not just, oh, it's a convention, oh, I'm turning up to get some stuff signed, full stop. Um, you know, there's much more you know, interaction, that sort of thing. And would you say this has partly to do with the fact the show is clearly uh, back, it's popular, it's not, it's not what it was in the 90s, which was kind of... Um, you know, it, it was a it was a dead show. It was canceled, and it also kind of had a uh, how do I put it? The public didn't see it as a good show unless you were already a fan. It's almost like you had to hide the fact you were a fan to certain people. Completely, I think now the show is so popular, and it's got that new audience of kids. You know, the kids want to dress up, and I think you know, with kids at conventions in character, it makes sort of the adults kind of go, "I want to do this." And everyone joins in, and I think the actors enjoy it more oh, now. I think they, I think they do. Um, we've seen a few times where you know the actors have sort of really enjoyed sort of you know having these kids coming up all dressed up as little versions of them and stuff, and they're just like, oh wow, you know, where who knitted that for you or got that for you, and they really like it. That's what I mean about you know the sort of the different interactions now. Yeah, completely. Because with Doctor, you know, off the air. There's nothing new. There's no real new audience. So it's the same sort of people. There's nothing new. Now people can dress up with so many different characters. And with all the DVD releases, younger kids are dressing up as older, you know, sort of the early Doctors. And the whole cosplay thing has just exploded. I really approve of it. I think it's fantastic. They've got 50 years' worth of... um characters to choose from really haven't they yeah exactly i think it's i think it's a good thing and we definitely want to get out to you know to la and do gallifrey because i feel we're missing out over here now why do you say that because in england uh, you must have better access to a lot of the stars over there and i know there's always an event happening far more frequently than here in the states i i'm actually envious of you guys but you're saying that the conventions there are totally different i've only been to the one so i'm not still the best judge on that yeah, I just found that the one I, you know, we've we, done we several. Have, we haven't been to any for a little while, to be fair. No, but you know, when we were doing them, it was just incredibly dull. There was, you know, all the rooms are completely split. So we had, you know, the prop room. We you just sit there and you'd get the odd person pop in and go, oh, that looks nice. And take a photograph and leave. And the dealer's room was like at the other end of the hall and and people were miserable. They don't want. They hate queuing for autographs. And just, no one does. Yeah, it just. I don't know that they. There's always that sense of we're bored of this. Why are we here? Well, I mean, as I say, we haven't been to one for a little while, so they probably looked at different aspects and they probably, you know, adjusted them. Yeah, but I just. I kind of look and you know, when after Gallifrey, I always kind of read the reports on it, and everyone seems to have an amazing time. And you, I just don't feel you get that over here. Well, maybe with that, um, I've, I've heard reports from the, the official convention they did, uh, what was that, just recently with Matt Smith and such, uh, that that was a really good time. That was a fairly big convention, wasn't it? That was, actually. Um, yeah, we never got to that. 
mainly because it was so focused on new series. Understood. So I kind of was like, no, we're not going to do that. But we are looking at possibly Dimensions next year because, I mean, that's up in sort of Newcastle way. But I think it will be heavily focused on the classic era. Well, with all the, you know, as many of the Doctors are left. If you're going to do a convention, you've got to do a convention in the 50th anniversary year, let's face it. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask, is there, I'm sorry, is there any big plans for a big blowout convention or something so far in brewing for the 50th? Nothing's been mentioned yet, but I would assume the BBC will probably do an event like they did, you know, in Cardiff last year. Because I know that the the new series actors are not allowed to do any of other events bar with the BBC. So it does kind of really separate it sort of off. You're kind of going to have the classic side for sure. And then probably some big new series convention run by the BBC. It'd be silly if they didn't do some, you know, some big thing. I think, it, I think what they need to do is the BBC need to do the convention, but do it at television centre before it closes. Because that's where it started out, virtually. So that's where they ought to do a big convention. That would be amazing. Yeah. But what they will do uh, is they'll, they'll do it and they'll hold it in Cardiff, I bet you. I could see that, yeah. Um, I, I know what you're saying. I know that that's been the biggest reason why none of the, the main actors uh, from the new series... I mean, we've had some like, like uh, you know, the uh, Jackie Tyler and Mickey have come over for Gallifrey, but... Um, I know that uh, aside from Comic-Con, which I know is a BBC, let's promote the show, sanctioned thing, we haven't had the, the big, big stars. Although I believe that's breaking this year. Arthur Daverl is going to be at Gallifrey this year, which will be pretty awesome. So let's jump into your collection. Uh, how did it start? What was the first couple of items you bought? Well, it started because I wanted, I had a couple of friends and we were discussing doing a fan film. So the idea was, was to collect some replica uh, cyberheads and do a cyber film so for me it was always just collect replica make films that's, sure. how, that's how i sort of started it all what era cyberman um earthshock because that was the only thing at the time that was sort of officially licensed so it started with replicas you would yep. make fan films and i assume you kept said replicas after you finished and that's how things started to grow how did it eventually cross over into screen used items it was actually Chris that crossed it over pretty much sort of straight away. Well, a friend of mine um, had got a couple of bids from the original Bonhams auctions back in the 90s. And she, I don't know, I, I think it was one of these things where she thought it would be a good idea at the time to get some, some stuff. Um, and then once she got them, she was kind of like, oh, I don't really know what to do with any of this stuff. So um, she sold me the Katrika death costume from Trial. Or literally, I think it was 20 quid. She was like, I don't want it. I, I just don't want to do with it. Have it for 20 quid, whatever. And so I just had that in the back of the wardrobe for a couple of years thinking, wow, I've got a bit of original, you know, a bit of original Doctor Who. Okay, only for about three seconds in the uh, in the story. Enough to see Joe Sims being right. electrocuted. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the first piece. And then, uh, oh, I don't know, a good few years later, um, the same friend said, oh, I want to get rid of the rest of my stuff. When um, we said, well, what have you got? And one of the pieces was the, um, the Faroon costume from Time and the Rani. And we ended up swapping that for, I think it was a side, one of the replica cyber heads that John had. And yeah, and then that was it. We had those two and then it kind of um, went on from there. But, yeah, it really did take off because we had a collector that we knew 
in Bristol, and he seemed to be the main dealer in Doctor Who sort of costumes and props. And I happened to be chatting to him one day, and I said, you know what? I really, really want the Six Doctors costume. I'll do anything for it. I said, I'm tempted to email, um, not email, sorry, um, write to Colin's agent and see if I can, you know, speak to Colin, see if he has anything. Mm-hmm. And within a week, I had a phone call saying, I've just got Colin's first season costume. And I was like, oh, um, sheer panic, you know, <laughs> pop all the money together and uh, have this crazy liaison in a car park. It, it looked so <laughs> I mean, it really did. I mean, we... We both pulled up and we we're pulling out this big thing of money and he's got this body bag of costume. It must have just looked ridiculous. I love the image, though. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Literally, we look like a couple of um, gangsters <laughs> in this car, you know, in a motorway <laughs> service car park, handing over vast sums of money for the, what essentially looked like a body bag. So you got the, the Colin Baker costume fairly early on then? Yeah, literally within about two years of us sort of collecting. Now, this is before collecting props and costumes kind of has become big business through places like Profiles and History. So I'm assuming that while certainly it was a high-ticket item, it doesn't it wasn't commanding what it would command now. No, certainly not. I was actually su- surprised because I was at one of the Longley auctions when Colin's coat originally sold. And, I mean, it went for nothing. And four years after that, we got the complete costume and paid n- pretty much next to nothing really for it compared to what it would go for nowadays now um and this is the same costume you have on your website now yes so now from there i know that um your your collection been growing i've been going through your website and just kind of going like oh that's cool um uh all of the neat props from season 23 how did you acquire those yeah let's think see the thing is we have as, as we call it a lot of stuff so we have to then think on what we've actually got a lot was well, so a lot of the props as such came direct from Colin. Colin had picked up stuff, was given stuff after the sort of production and it was a matter of just tackling him because we went to um, one of the big memorabilia affairs in Birmingham and he approached us because for some reason I have one of these faces that is recognisable and he remembered me from years ago having his costume. So he approached me and said, oh, you know, I'm thinking of getting rid of my coat. Would you, you know, would you like to acquire it? And I said, no, I've already got your coat. Ah, we don't need to. <laughs> yeah. So I just said to him, what else do you have? And he gave me this list and it kind of went from there. So we've, yeah, we've been quite lucky in a way of mm. purchasing direct from the actor. Doesn't get a better pedigree than that. Well, no, exactly. And he's kept it all, you know, very well. You know, it all, it's all nicely, it's all nicely kept. Yeah, well, the CD phaser from Mindwarp still had the original battery in it, and it still worked. That's amazing. Yeah, so, he'd lost the battery uh, compartment um, yeah. lid off the yellow gun, the Verbal gun. Yeah. Um, he said he'd tried desperately to find that and just couldn't find it. It's like, not the end of the world. Well, the problem is when you get two prop guns that light up, you end up running around zapping each other. <laughs> As you do. Indeed. As you do. <laughs> So, um, and then um, you, you have a lot of um, Sylvester McCoy era costumes, including, of course, the Doctor's costume itself. Now, you bought that from Sylvester McCoy? Yes. Yes, we did. That was, um, yet again, uh, we just emailed Colin <laughs> quite cheekily and said, can you speak to Sylvester, see if he has his costume? 
And then uh-huh. weeks later, we suddenly get one back off Sylvester going, give me a ring. Yeah. And that's quite a surreal experience, having to ring Sylvester McCoy and <laughs> say to him, hello, I'm a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> I'm ringing about your costume. <laughs> he was great. Though. He was really good. You know, we, we went round, um, he invited us round to his flat. And that was probably the most funniest experience <laughs> In my 34 years on this planet, it was brilliant. Really, why? Because he opened the door, eventually. All we could hear was this hum. (laughs) We thought, what the hell is this hum? And eventually he opens the door and says, oh, you know, come in, come in. He says, you go up the stairs first. So we go up the stairs. He proceeds coming up behind us on a stairlift. Standing on a stairlift. Standing on a stairlift humming Ride of the Valkyries, holding his question mark umbrella as. It was very <laughs> surreal. It was the weirdest experience, and I was just like, I don't know whether to laugh or what. This. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what have you gotten into? Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's, like he's blocking the door, we can't escape. But, uh, he, was, he was very nice, though. Very, you know, it was um, a good couple of hours we spent there just chatting about the programme, about his costume, mm. and it was just a really nice time, as all, as well as saying, well, actually, while we're here, can you sign this DVD, and yeah. can you sign this photo? And... <laughs> well, you might as well, you know. So, uh, so you uh, you worked out to uh, to purchase an entire costume, which is amazing, and uh, and the umbrella. Yeah, it was nice because when he he offered us when we got when we were there, he had two that he put onto his bed and said, "What one would you like?" And one of his, the handle had come off completely, and that was during filming, and he had wedged a pencil up and just kind of stuck it back together again. <laughs> but he said he wanted to keep that one because it had more memories for him. But we were pleased to have the other one because it was like the first one used in Delta and the Bannerman. Uh, the one you took or the one that he kept? Uh, the one we took. That's really awesome. So, yeah. And that's the one on your website? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, the only thing he didn't have was the sh- um, shoes, which was a bit of a disappointment. But we managed to source mm-hmm. them eventually off another collector. Yeah. Oh, wow, so you have a complete custom with the shoes now? Yeah, yeah, we got everything now. Yeah. He said that if he, if he had stayed on for season 27, the, the usual thing is he tells everyone is, oh, I would have got rid of the um, question mark jumper. But uh, what he right. said to us was that actually he desperately wanted to get rid of the shoes. Because we were saying to him, I don't even understand why you've got the whole costume and not the shoes. And he said, oh, I want desperate to get rid of them. It's so uncomfortable. Interesting. I, I, I mean, yes, you need comfortable shoes, but they're such a part of that costume. I wonder what they would have switched to if they would have found something similar that would have just have fit his foot better or what? I think he would have gone into just a plain pair of sort of ordinary shoes. He needed to be doing the Patrick Troughton method and wear his own hush puppies or something. Or those Crocs he wears now. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, I was impressed as well that, you know, it's nice to get Sylvester's original costume and that he had both versions, but it was nice that he had kept the hat from the TV movie. So to have that as well was really cool. Oh, of course. So he had the brown jacket as well as the, the light grey? Yep. Or cream? Yep. Um, yeah, it's cream, isn't it? Well, it's, it's a very odd colour. It's one of those colours that, depending on what light you've got it in, it looks completely different. Because when you see all these um, photographs in the magazines or whatever, it really does look like it's grey and it isn't it's almost a sort of beigey colour 
It's um, it's very odd. It's it's a, it's actually a lot nicer colour in real life, if you know what I mean, than it is actually on DVD or uh, in a photo and stuff. It's much warmer colour than it comes across. I've seen a couple of your photos of it, and yes, it's it's surprising to see it look so beige. It almost looks like um, you know, it's edging towards Peter Davison's beige tone. Mm. Yeah, I think my only regret with Sylvester is that I should have said to him at the time, can you get into the costume one last time and had a photo done with him? Yeah. Yeah, you missed the boat there. I did. One day, I'll get him back in it. <laughs> uh, but that's that's really fantastic that, you know, essentially, uh, for both of your favorite doctors, you own both of the original costumes. That's fabulous. We have been very lucky. Very lucky. Yeah, I never um, thought I would own Colin's costume, ever. So when we actually did get it, and then obviously got the the add-on bits from Colin himself. It was pretty amazing. I mean, we were on, we were on holiday. <laughs> we were like five hours drive. And we had, a, a, Colin phoned me up and said, oh, can you come to this convention tomorrow and pick up the, the costume pieces? And we drove for five hours to literally mm. talk to him for an hour and then drove and then five hours back to go on holiday. But that's the mark of a true fan. Absolutely. It was yeah. well worth it. It really is. The, yeah. So what, what pieces did you get from Colin that completed the costume then? We got um, both versions of his bats from the first season and from trial. We got the teddy bear waistcoat, the red cravat, the blue cravat, the, the vervoid waistcoat and cravat, the black cat badge. Yeah, that, that was sort of everything to kind of complete his costume. Because we had obviously had the first season costume, right? And this mm-hmm. oh, we got all the chains for all the waistcoats, including the chain from Dimensions in Time. And how is that chain different? It's the same, exactly the same type of chain, plastic chain. It's just it's a multicolored one rather than you know just green or just pink. So all the chains um, were were plastic. None of them were metal. The his first season, um, you know, the, the green one on his first season waistcoat that is metal. That's actually a very heavy chain. Um, but all the, Somehow that doesn't surprise me. All the trial ones are all plastic. But then, just so for amusement values, back in '93, it was Colin did um, Children in Need, um, the Weakest Link special with Sylvester, and I said to Chris at the time, "Oh my God, yeah. I am amazed." Actually, it wasn't 93, it was for the 40th, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was for the 40th. Yeah, it was for the 40th. And I was amazed that I was said to Chris, oh my God, he fits into his costume. I'm so pleased. And when we purchased the costume, the waistcoats had massive panels added to the back. Of course. You know, so I was like, oh. <laughs> it literally been cut right up the seam at the back and then this, this big panel put in. Yeah. But we've kept the panels. We've just uh... yeah, we haven't cut, we haven't sort of adjusted them. We've just sort of pinned pinned it back how it should be with this big excess bit of material <laughs> on the back of it. I see. I see. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the trick of the trade. Got to alter the uh, the costume to fit the actor. Um, so, did you ever uh, pursue any of the earlier Doctor's costumes, Peter Davison or Tom Baker? Never um, looked at Tom. We've we we had his last season shirts. Um, yes, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got that off eBay, and within I don't know, within the same day, I think the same evening, we we'd have like a million emails from people going, "Oh, please can we buy it off you? Please can we sell it?" So we had this situation where we we're like, "Right, okay, it doesn't kind of fall into our 
remit yeah, of things that we want. You know, we, we'd sort of settled on Colin and Sylvester kind of era, and we thought we might be able to mm. use the shirt um, as like a basically like a bargaining tool to see if we could get anything, you know, the era that we wanted. So in the end, we did. We got um, the ace jacket. Um, we got what else did we get? Uh, one of Sylvester's other sort of his first season sort of hat hat band hanky um, and some other bits so we were able to sort of do a straight swap plus the guy that we ended up swapping with had a lot of the last season Tom costume anyway and I I would actually rather get you know let someone have something if it goes in some way to complete a costume I think he's got everything bar, I think the waistcoat or something. Yeah, I think I, I think he's just missing the waistcoat now um, for season 18 costume. You know, and so, you know, yes, we might have got more money or we might have been able to swap it for something else, but I was actually like, yeah, he's going to this guy who, it, it just means one step closer for another complete costume. But I think it's it's nice for people to have a bit of a costume. And it's so nice when they're complete. Of course. Um, Actually, a waistcoat's a real pain, I know, for uh, cosplayers. Uh, there's been a lot of talk of people putting together a season 18 lately, and that's always been the stumbling block, is trying to get something even remotely close to that waistcoat, because it's so hard. Um, but And by the way, thank you guys for the uh, the reference on that shirt. Uh, you were a big, big help on really refining the uh, Tom Baker season 18 shirt run we just uh, did. And we're in the middle of doing the second one, and everyone loves them. They're, they're all big, big approval on it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting owls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's very nice actually. I'm I'm actually thinking, you know, I don't usually think about doing the season 18, but these are kind of nice. Maybe I'll just get one made for myself too. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully, you guys will like it. They're they're really good and they're very uh, comfy, very comfy. Um, so uh, the, now you also owned the Romana costume for a while, didn't you? Yes, we had that for ooh, for quite a few years. About ten years actually. Um, and in the end. Um, unfortunately, it came down to, to money. We we needed some money, and um, we had a good offer. And the guy who bought it from us um, had one of uh, Lala's other costumes. I think one from the Leisure Hive. That's right. Um, so again, uh, you know, it's kind of like well, at least it's going to someone who you know obviously likes that companion, likes that character, and obviously has something already. But I was quite depressed for a while about getting rid of it, but. Unfortunately, when you need money, you have to do these things. I was just going to explain, this is the Romana 2 costume from Destiny of the Daleks. Now, was that complete with uh, everything? Everything. That was the coat and the... Trousery. The trousery, racy sort of bits. It didn't have um, the scarf or the blouse or the boots or anything. It was just the coat and trousers. Well, it was a great piece. I mean, I've always that's probably my favorite of her costumes. So that, yeah, that had to hurt to get rid of that. It, it really did. I, out, out, of the, out of all the things that we've had to get rid of or have got rid of, um, that's the one piece that you know. Like, oh god! But on the plus side, we did give it to um, Steve Ricks to uh, he he took every measurement and scan he possibly could of it. Yeah, he's got a full pattern of it. So if you ever want a replica one, you know where to go. Oh, trust me, I, I know. We've discussed it a little bit off and on. One of these days, I, I might have one made for my girlfriend because I keep going like, come on, come on, Romana. I'm, I'm, I'm doing City of Death Tom Baker now. Come on, do, do Romana. It'll be great. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. 
It sounds like, and actually, I forgot, you guys have some uh, pretty cool monster costumes as well. The Tetrap is fantastic, and the uh, the Hemovores. Could you tell me about that? Yeah, the Tetrap's always, always been my favorite monster. And we went to one of the Longleat auctions, and I just happened to say, on the way down on the train, I said to Chris, wouldn't it be good if, they, if there was a Tetrap head? And he laughed at me and said, there's no chance. Into the auction, and this head was sitting there. And I looked at Chris and I said, we are buying this. We are getting it. I don't care what it costs, we're getting it. And there was another collector there that we knew. And Chris went up to him and said, do not bid on that head. That's out. <laughs> End of story. And surprisingly, next to no one bid on it. And we picked up the tetrap head for 300 pounds which i thought was pretty you know for the time amazing and he was in at the time he was in surprisingly good condition you know he wasn't in great condition um he'd apparently been living in um john nathan turner's loft so you can imagine the hot cold with the the latex and everything but even after that he was he, he wasn't bad although he was really sticky inside so when we got um, John Nathan Turner to sign the um, auction, sheet. auction sheet, he just signed it and wrote "sticky A" or something like that. Was, oh. But then we picked up. Then we we knew another collector that had um, he'd put Eurac into the, one of the Bonhams auctions and it hadn't sold. So I emailed him saying, "Look, do you still have Eurac?" And he said, "Yeah, we do." He said, "It's actually being stored at Bonhams." And I said, well, look, I want it. And so we agreed on a price and we went down to Bonham's and picked him up, which was quite surreal, you know, hiring a a transit van and having a Tetrap sort of laying laying around, you know, in the back of it. Um, But they are surprisingly (laughs) very good costumes. There's a lot of detail on there that you just don't see. That's something not just with the Tetraps, that's with all the costumes that we've either had or, or got. They are surprisingly well made. They really are. You, you, you think that with some of the stuff that they maybe didn't have, you know, with the budgets and the time set and stuff, that they might throw them together a bit. But actually, everything we've seen has been very, very well made. Goes down to the, the hemovores as well. I mean, the there was a lot of debate um, with the hemovores. A lot of stuff we've read that all the original heads had deteriorated. And uh, John Nathan Turner had asked Sue Moore to sculpt new ones for the exhibitions. So when the Hemavore came up at Bonham's and we, we got him, we were surprised when we actually took the head off that it's an original head because it's actually got the actor's names just faintly inside. But you can still read it. But the, the, head, the hands are completely brittle now. The fingers are coming off. But the mask is still very sort of supple. The latex has really lasted. But just on the navel hemoglobin, the, the detail on the costume is brilliant. It's, and for such a brief moment, he's on screen. The detail they go to is really good. But moving on. So uh, I wanted to ask, in all of the pieces that you've gotten, what, what has been the most surprising thing you've discovered when you handle it in real life versus you know, how you would imagine it is on screen, aside from quality. Ooh. It is really the level of detail. And for us, it's... There's so much that you don't really get to see, like like with Colin's coat. 
there's just all this fine stitching on the back of a coat you do not get to really see on camera. So when we saw the coat for the first time, I actually thought it was a fake coat because it was... Yeah, at the time, we only had, like, you know, videos to look at or some blurred photos in the magazines and stuff. And so you're faced with it and you're like, oh, okay, um, I'm not really sure about this because all this fine detail just looks a bit strange. Um, but obviously, it was fine. Yeah, it is, it's, they are just so well crafted for something that's, you know, some things are made for one story only, but the, it is the detail that goes into them that is the most surprising. And also sometimes, you know, with video or photographs, the colours are not as yeah. vibrant, and you see it, and you think, wow, that's so, like Colin's costume is so vivid, so bright, it's, yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I'm used to seeing costumes in real life often be a bit darker than I'd expect them to be because they get hit with so much light um, in the studio. Uh, so that's been my experience. But you're saying actually a, a number of these are, are quite vibrant and bright in real life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, okay, with Colin's costume, it's absolutely filthy. It's the it's so dirty where it was obviously sunk into the sand at the end of trial. And they've never... I think they they obviously cleaned it, and not, the dirt just didn't come out. I mean, it's still got sand in the pockets of um, the coat. Sand yeah. in the pockets. It's the same with Sylvester's. His brown jacket had sand in the in one of the top pockets from the quarry from um, survival. Survival. Yeah. yeah. So I've actually got these little bags of sand. Then we could put on eBay. <laughs> Someone would buy it. Someone would buy it. <laughs> Authentic Doctor Who quarry sand. I love it. Um, wow. Uh, so uh, let, let's talk a little about the paper props, the, the posters from Happiness Patrol and The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. They are, I'll tell you what, The Greatest Show in the Galaxy one is really amazing. The, you can see all the pencil drawings on it, how it's originally sketched. And then the paint, the level of paint, you know, detail is really, really good. That again come from one of the Longleaf auctions. And it's, it's nice uh, to have, have a bit flat stuff that, you know, if you've just got mannequins and, and heads and stuff, they, you know, they tend to just sort of litter the room, or at least, you know, you can hang things on the wall and you've got like, these posters and stuff. And that, the happiness patrol was, that was pure chance, that was on eBay. And we just did a bid at the last minute on it and, and won it. <laughs> but that's, yeah, again, that's a... It's a nice prop, but it's kind of really been shoddily put together on a on a computer. Uh, on a computer, to be perfectly honest, back then, it's almost like a giant photocopier. Yeah. <laughs> As it should, but actually, that kind of works for the story. Exactly. Yeah, and it's yeah again, that's it is a really nice sort of prop piece to have. Mm. Sometimes it's nice to have the sort of the weird and wonderful. As I call it, the posters well, are kind of a bit different. It's nice to have different stuff. You know, we've got. You know, we've got costumes, we've got props, we've got monsters, we've got doctors, we've got a bit of everything. We've got scripts. You know, so it is nice just to have yeah, a bit of everything, you know, a nice little splatter. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's quite the collection. I was actually going to talk a bit about the companions. You you have a Perry costume from Mysterious Planet and uh, the Ace stunt jacket. Um, now, is there anything that stands out to you about those costumes? I, I can't describe it. It sounds ridiculous. I really love the Perry costume. I remember years ago seeing all the publicity photos for trial with her and Colin with all the, the, the hats and canes and all that sort of stuff. 
And I'm thinking, God, I really like that costume. And then a few years later, um, we managed to get the shoes and the belt of a guy in America, I think, yeah. that. And I was like, right, you know, one day, you know, I've got those bits, one day I'm going to get the costume. And then when the big uh, Bonhams um, auction came up um, a few years ago, and that was one of the costumes, I was like, right, I am determined. I'm going to go there and I'm going to get in that costume. <laughs> I didn't go to that auction because I couldn't face it. I would just would be too nervous. So I said to Chris, I'm not going, you go on your own. Yeah, Chris actually ended up going with Steve, Steve Ricks, and uh, I got these updates from the pair of them. You know, yeah. this is what's going on. and But then the interesting thing on that, Chris wins this costume from Bonhams. And then days later, Nicola Bryant had done an article in her local paper saying the costume was a fake. So you can imagine suddenly there was this explosion on one of the forums that the costume of Bonhams was a fake. Oh. So then that sent us into a panic. And we had to then screen match it, which we did do. And we did actually email Nicola and the, the paper involved saying, get your facts right. <laughs> I yeah, never heard no. anything back. Wow. But it kind of mars the whole thing then, because if we went to sell it, people might look back and go, oh. Does that, does that happen often where you, the authenticity of these things is called into question? Well, yes and no. I mean, one of the reasons that we set up our own website was that we originally, we had a page on the Richard Who um, website, and okay. we had continuous people emailing us, just saying, basically, all everything you've got is fake. Um, you know, how dare you, you know, uh, say that it's all original. Um, and, and, and some of the stuff got quite nasty, so in the end, we just basically said, right, we're coming off that, that website, we're not, we're not feeling... Uh, with those people anymore. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was that they were jealous or they were just being funny or whatever, but, yeah, that's the reason we did our own website in the end. And we've had so much praise since we set it up yeah. two years ago. Absolutely. And actually, for, for anyone uh, costuming these characters, they're a great reference point to, to help see them in, in better light and get better detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you see a lot of websites, people will photograph the whole co- the costume as a whole where we decided it's better to break the whole thing down and sort of talk about what we, you know, the bits we know about, you know. Well, also, one of the things I specifically wanted to do with the website was not just say, here's a photo of Colin's coat with a little caption saying, this is Colin's coat. I wanted to actually say, you know, how many of them were made? You know, where did we get this one from? Was it used in any exhibitions? You know, and, and try and chart it a little bit so that people could sort of, look at it and go, oh, okay, so it was used, you know, in Longley um, exhibitions, and then it was sold at this auction, and this, that, and the other, so it's a nice timeline to all the pieces. No, I love that aspect, yeah, it gives it a pedigree, it gives it a bit of history, and, and it, I think it's educational um, for anyone interested in these props and costumes. And that's where we lose the signal for this episode. Come on back next time for the second half of my talk with Chris Pocock and John Walker. We're going to be talking more about their fabulous Doctor Who costume and prop collection. If you want to see it for yourself, just go to www.classicdoctorwhoprops.com. And if you have any questions for me, just send it to www.costumestation0.com, and I'll be happy to answer it. Thank you much. I'll check you out next time here at Costume Station Zero. Thank you.
करते हैं